Good afternoon. I'm Rhonda Feynman, and this is the Healthy Options Program here on WERU. Our guest today is Kim Austin. She's a clinical social worker with a private practice based in Atlanta, Georgia. She also provides online therapy to adults in Maine and New York, where she's also licensed. She specializes in the treatment of trauma and anxiety and first began working professionally in the wake of the 9-11 terrorist attacks in 2001 in New York City. That's when she was a graduate student at Hunter College School of Social Work in New York. Kim Austin became trained in EMDR, eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing, say that three times fast, which is used as an effective technique to help clients dealing with trauma. She then trained in the modality of brain spotting, a brain-based psychology, psychotherapy even, which also uses the eyes in the field of vision to identify where a person is holding trauma or negative experiences. She became certified in brain spotting in 2021 and is committed to sharing information about the therapeutic and beneficial effects of brain spotting, which is why we invited you here today. So welcome to Healthy Options, Kim Austin. Thank you, Rhonda. I'm really happy to be here. Great. So, you know, people I know uh, in my community and, and many of our listeners who are familiar with EMDR, maybe not so much with what brain spotting is. So perhaps you can, we can start right off with what, what are we talking about? What is sure. this? Sure. Well, I will preface it by saying it is not an easy thing to describe, um, but I'll do my best. Right. Um, uh, so, so EMDR is actually, I mean, brain spotting was actually derived from EMDR. So David Grand, PhD, who's the developer of brain spotting, um, was working with uh, a client using a, a variation of EMDR, where he was instead of with EMDR, eye movements is the EM. Um, and, and the therapist, while a person is bringing up a trauma, um, waves their fingers back and forth. And so he was very slowly bringing his eyes across the client's field of vision. Um, And one day he was going very slow and his hand just sort of stopped. He said it sort of felt like somebody held his hand in place. And he noticed that while the client was looking at this one spot, she seemed to process at a deeper level than she had been after almost a year of EMDR. So he got curious about this. Um, and he's since developed um, developed brain spotting further. And really, the it's based on the idea that where you look affects how you feel. So basically, when you think about it, when you're looking at a particular space or you're thinking about something, your eye tends to go a certain place, right? Um, and so the theory is that if I'm thinking about something, you know, it could be what I had for breakfast this morning, and my eye sort of goes up to the right that while I'm looking out, maybe I'm actually accessing information inside, accessing the neural network somehow connected to that thing. And so with brain spotting, we use that relevant eye position. Somebody's thinking about whether it's a trauma or just being upset about why do I do this thing I do? Why can't I stop it, right? I've tried all these things. And so we find where they feel it in their body. It's a somatic therapy as well. And then we find the relevant eye position. So I use a pointer. And I bring it across the person's field of vision. And then where they tend to feel that feeling inside more intensely, where they're looking, we sort of have them hold that spot with focused mindfulness and just process from there. 
And what it seems to do is help people really resolve unprocessed trauma. Sometimes they have more insights, but but hopefully it's all about healing. And so that's that's the basic. Are are people talking? Is there a conversation? That's a good question. So um you know, one of the things that we've discovered, so brain spotting the um, has done a is really looking into understanding the brain. I mean, lots of us, right? There's been a huge, uh, huge growth in understanding the brain and how it works. And brain spotting has really been working on this and has actually been working with a neuroscientist in Europe who's really trying to figure out what the heck is happening with brain spotting. And so what they've discovered is that, you know, while talking, can be helpful. We know it's a very traditional type of therapy, right? To talk things through and it can be helpful. But when it comes to trauma, that how trauma is held in the brain, there's only one small path that goes from our neocortex, that thinking, talking part of our brain down to our limbic brain, our subcortex, which is, which is where that trauma resides. Um, and so by just talking, it doesn't always help to resolve things. So with brain spotting, we're trying to go below that by accessing the deeper part of the brain. And so by doing that, often it is silent. So while people are processing, they may not say anything. The therapist may not say anything, but the presence is there holding an attuned presence. But there are some people that it's part of their processing, even though we're accessing that deeper part of the brain to, to share what's happening or to, or to make sense of things. So the answer is it depends, depends on the client, what's going on. And I'll have some clients who the same clients who in some sessions, they'll be talking the whole way through and other clients completely silent. So it's sort of a long winded answer. (laughs) No, no, that's, that's terrific. Uh, So when you say that let's the connection to EMDR, when you Mm -hmm. say you're looking at the eyes, what is the eye connection I know EMDR is one aspect. What What is the idea of the eyes? How does that affect, what is that yeah. neuroscience? What is, what's, what's that connection, the brain right. eye connection? Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, it's, it's funny because it's not just a brain eye connection. The eyes are actually part of the brain. So, so when we think about it, that, that I think it's, I forget the number, it might be 80%, but a significant amount of the cells in the brain are actually neuronal cells. So they're actually brain cells because when we're developing, so, so when, when a fetus is first developing, the brain stem develops, it's one of the earliest things, right? And there's this kind of neural tube. And one of the other first things on the other end of that is the eyes. And so from a very early age, um, you know, as we're developing, our eyes are, are part of that. So, so that leads the eyes to be so deeply connected. There's so many connections between the eyes and the deeper part of the brain. And why that's why that's important is that, as I said before, when people experience trauma, a lot of times, especially if it's unprocessed or unresolved, it gets stored in that deeper part of the brain. And so what we've discovered both with, with EMDR, with the eye movements, and with brain spotting with the fixed eye position is that when we when we access something through the eyes, it allows us, it's almost like if you think about you know, when we think about a traumatic thing in the brain, there's that one path that goes to that deeper part of the brain. But with the eyes, it goes right there. It's like there are multiple highways that are going to that deeper part of the brain. And so they don't fully, we're still trying to figure it out. As you can imagine, there's there's lots of people trying to figure out what this is. But, but what we hypothesize is that it has the eyes give us direct access to that deeper part of the brain that holds the trauma, but also holds 
uh, our mechanisms for natural healing, right? So it's almost like we tap in there and then we can process things through in a way that we can't necessarily do by trying to kind of control it top down. Does that does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So what we're what we're learning then is the the eyes are part of the brain. Wow, mm-hmm. how, how did yeah. I not think that? Or maybe other people are surprised too. Um, yeah. And also the the unconscious. The, we know, mm-hmm. and and my listeners know because we talk about a trauma resiliency model. We talk about ways mm-hmm. that um, that the, the somatic aspect of trauma. Absolutely. And, and and that that brain, the somatic, the 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 gut aspect mm-hmm. um and and all of those uh, receptor cells in our our, our gut mm-hmm. are connected actually to eyes through the vagus nerve mm-hmm. and we'll have to have a whole conversation at another time about mm-hmm. how that what that vagus nerve means but i do know that some people when some of the exercises to um balance the vagus nerve which has to do with anxiety and trauma is mm-hmm. to use eye movement and some people get really nauseous when they do that movement. So I think it's very, I bring up something that's a little bit uh, aside, but it it is very relevant, I think, to to what we're talking about. And so is there any study, and this is speculation, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, but um, with that, with the sense that when somebody stops in one spot, is there correlating to a different part of the brain or different Mm -hmm. lobe? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, there, as you mentioned, there's a lot of kind of trying to research and figuring out what's happening there. Um, what's hypothesized at this point, based on you know the practical experience of brain spotting and also working with these neuroscientists, is that um, you know, well, you bring up a good a, a good point. There's that somatic piece, right, which is so very important and is connected to the the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve is very important in helping to regulate our nervous system, right? Which is, which is in the body, right? Um, and so the brain is in the body and the body is in the brain is a, is a very common brain spotting kind of thing. Um, so we are very much, it's very much a somatic based therapy too. So throughout brain spotting, both we are paying attention to sort of restarting with, you know, when you think about this thing, you're talking about this issue or trauma or whatever it is, where do you feel it in your body, right? And so that's sort of giving us access to and sort of trying to connect all these pieces. And then when we find that relevant eye position, it's sort of like opening a file, right? Connected to that felt sense and that issue and sort of tying all these pieces together. And what it's theorized is that that eye, because it's giving us that more direct access to the to the deeper part of the brain. And so one thing I haven't mentioned that might be helpful is so we have our neocortex, right? That's our thinking brain that primates and humans have that's really, really helpful, right? And paying bills and problem solving and figuring everything out. Um, and below that is earlier, there's that the brainstem, the reptilian brain, which is that fight, flight, or freeze, right? The fist, if you think about your wrist as, yeah, yeah. And then above that, the limbic system, which has our, you know, our, our felt, sense, felt sense, body, um, somatic emotional elements, right? And so one of the theories is that through the eyes, we're, we're accessing that part of the brain that's, that's below that, that's deeper than that. And so 
there are a couple of pieces to the to the theory and what we're understanding now. One is that we're accessing the midbrain, which which sounds like it's in the middle of the brain, but it's actually just the top of the brainstem. So it goes very deep. Um, and there <clears throat> in the midbrain is something called the superior colliculi. And I won't get super <laughs> super. No, no we like that. Yes. that. Yeah. Um, but the superior colliculi. Um, is involved in regulation and it's very connected to our felt sense. And so there are different layers and the first layer that are sensory layers. So, so the first layer is visual. So one of the theories is that by accessing the visual, we're actually stimulating and accessing that top layer of the superior colliculi, which is deeply held in the brain. And then below that, there are other layers in terms of our, you know, our sensory in terms of hearing. Um, and so what people notice often as they're processing with brain spotting is that it can be a multi multi-sensory experience. Sometimes people will have, you know, definitely have, have images as well that come to them. They also may feel hot. They may feel cold. They may shake. They may feel tension. And so part of it's theorized that we're really accessing things at such a deep level that, that the felt sense associated with that is there. The, so that yes, that's that's so helpful, mm-hmm. and that's what we mean by the somatic. The somatic mm-hmm. is exactly. is that deep feeling, mm-hmm. and that you you have more. You're you're about to say something. Yes. Yeah. Another important piece. Um, you know, when you think about when people come into a therapist, usually, you know, it takes a lot for people to come to therapy. It's not, you know, people don't like to call me. Doesn't hurt my feelings, but when they're calling me, things aren't usually great. Um, <laughs> And so, and usually that's, there's some dysregulation, right? There's something that's, it's really bothering them. That's making them feel anxious. And maybe they know it's connected to a trauma. Maybe they don't know what it is, but they're just often dysregulated. Everything feels unsettled and out of sorts. And so the brain is always looking for regulation, right? It always, it's the body and the brain are always looking for homeostasis. And so one of the things that also brain spotting seems to facilitate. And I think EMDR probably does the same thing. And a lot of other therapies, somatic experiencing, you know, they're all, it's finding how to help the system find itself from dysregulation to regulation. And so one of the other pieces that people, you know, so they're coming in and when they come in, usually they're dysregulated. Certainly as we're starting to talk about this trauma or this upsetting thing, they're, they're feeling a lot. And then once we start searching the brain spotting, it helps people to kind of naturally get to a more regulated state, right? And so the theory there is that we're we're accessing another part of the brain um, called the agranular esocortex that is also held deeply in the brain um, that that really facilitates helping the system find homeostasis. Um, and so not everybody, you know, it depends on how it goes, but a lot of times people at the end of a session. Um, or at points in the session, will feel calm like that. They'll feel regulated. Um, so do, and so that's another piece. So, so homeostasis uh, is is balanced. Is mm-hmm. is is feeling regulated. It's mm-hmm. yeah. So when you're doing this as as the the 
therapist um, and facilitator. I'm, I'm going to hold that question for a moment because you know what? If people have just tuned in, I just want to tell them who you are and what we're doing here. I'm Rhonda okay. Feynman, and this is Healthy Options on WERU Community Radio. Our guest today is Kim Austin, licensed clinical social worker who uses brain spotting techniques to help clients work through trauma and other things. We'll get to what the other things would be as well. Everything isn't about trauma, <laughs> but um, but, uh, but right at the moment it is because this is what we're talking about. Anyway, mm-hmm. so as the therapist, as as the practitioner, are you looking at people's eyes? I know people are finding mm-hmm. the spot that feel resonates with, yeah. and they're with whatever is going on with them, whatever mm-hmm. and whatever that resonance is. I probably, if we spoke to people who were uh, have experienced it, they would they might actually have different ex- explanations of what how they pick the point, how they Absolutely. know how they know Absolutely. it's the right point. My tummy feels mm-hmm. good, or my breath got calm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, my, something like yeah. that. But what what's what are you are you looking at the eyes? Are you seeing? Do, uh, do you notice mm-hmm. if something shifts in in people's eyes or? Yeah, great question. So a key part, you know, I've talked about the the eye position and the brain, the brain stuff and the body stuff being an important part of this. And then also the relationship with the therapist is an important part. And so really, it's it's, you know, hopefully in any therapy or a therapist is really there with you. Um, but in brain spotting, it's really we we focus on really um, having an attuned presence. So so part of that is is really paying attention to and tracking what's happening with the client. Um, and so, you know, as we're going along, so so in brain spotting speak, I sort of explained to you what's called, we called inside window. So it's person brings up the issue, they notice where they feel it in their body. And then sometimes people's eyes just naturally go there, or often I'll use a pointer, right? And I'll just bring it across their field of vision. And then they notice you know, they'll tell me, oh, when you put it over to the right, I feel it more in my chest or I feel whatever. I mean, I might hold and brain spot from there. Sometimes people don't know, right? Either they're they're feeling a lot and they can't, you know, sometimes there's a performance anxiety, which is normal. Um, the other piece is that a lot of people, you know, have not had the experience of learning to tune into their body or it wasn't safe to tune into their body or could be any number of things, or this is just such a big issue that it's so overwhelming. So what I do in that case, or I'm always doing this, but is to really pay attention to what I see. So usually as people are accessing, um, you know, these upsetting things and their eyes are, are tracking along, there will be little reflexive cues. So, so, and this is where we know it's kind of that deep brain, right? So it might be a blink. It might be, they take a deep breath. It might be, um, they bite their lip. It might be there's a they look like they're flushed, right? Or they might shake their wobble their head, or their eyes may wobble as well. Um, and so that happens periodically. You know, it happens. Some people it's all all over the place, and some people it's very subtle. And so in that case, I may say, hey, I notice where I put my pointer over here you know, you really your breathing really changes or your eyes started to and that was actually what what David Grant when he was um, when he was first discovering brain spotting with that client, her eyes wobbled and that's what led him to actually hold his fingers um, and that's when he discovered the processing. So it was sort of her nervous system told him, 
hey, there's something happening here. And so he just attuned to that and stayed there. And so throughout the processing, I'm continuing to watch what's happening with the person um, with that attuned presence. And I may check in at points in times, or I may just mostly stay silent and stay out of the way. Because really what we've come to discover with brain spotting is we're tapping into something. And if we let the person's system do it, it knows what to do, right? It's kind of like when you have, you know, we think about we cut ourselves. We may clean the wound. We we put a Band-Aid on. But then we kind of let our body know what it naturally knows how to do to heal. We may have to intervene at different periods of time. And so it's kind of the same thing with this. It's like if I intervene too much, I don't know what's going to happen with this person's system. And so there's another piece of kind of the uncertainty principle, like let's trust this client's nervous system and just stay and follow. So, so that's a little, that's another piece of, of that attunement with the therapist. So that is a, a question is, is there a caution is to some, is there, uh, is it can be too much for someone or, or, mm-hmm. The things get exacerbated. What what is a caution? Is this for everybody? Yeah. yeah, I would. I mean, I would say everybody could benefit from it. I mean, it may be how the therapist approaches it, or how the client and the client is always in charge about what they, you know, often, almost always, even if people don't feel like they know what they need at some level, they know what they need, and I think it's important as a therapist that I pay attention to that, um, and 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 to pay attention to their nervous system. So. So, you know, if somebody's got a lot of trauma or they've got something really big, um, you know, we we trust that that this the brain is designed to help us, the brain and body. It's not designed to get in the way. So so helping it to 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 do what it needs to do. But then sometimes it needs to do it slower or in little pieces. And there's so there are different interventions and tools that if it is feeling like too much for people, um, that we can kind of slow it down or, 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 you know, sometimes there are, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with parts work, IFS or anything like that. Tell us what that is. So, so we all have parts of ourselves. So when you think about, you know, with, with one person or one situation, you may bring out a certain part of yourself and another situation, maybe something else. And some situations, especially that might feel a little threatening you might have a part of you that needs to make sure everything's all together and organized or another part of you that just wants to kind of pull away and shut down. And so sometimes, especially when people have more complicated trauma histories, when we all have parts, sometimes those those parts come up in big ways as people are processing, you know, like, oh, this feels really scary. So so there are interventions about using parts. And it's, it's. I mean, in the therapy community, that's kind of a known thing. There's internal family systems. Some of your listeners may have heard of that. That's kind of well known. Um, and so my only point is there are different interventions that we can use. Um, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, wanted, I just wanted to follow up to your, to your original question because I got off track a little bit um, in terms of you know, we're always paying attention. And a lot of times there might be waves in terms of what happens. So, so a person might feel really activated in a session, and then they might feel calmer. And we're always tracking and doing what the client needs. Um, but that oftentimes it, it people are, again, the brain's always trying to find its way to dysregulation, to regulation from dysregulation. Um, and so sometimes people will continue to process after sessions, and we do what we need to do to help people 
contain that or do what they need to do. But again, kind of trusting that their system really does have a wisdom. So uh, this is, uh, I, I would assume this is a very human, this, this isn't something you choose. This is the connections. These are our human connections. This is how humans are wired. And some people, this will be a way in. And for other people, they'll have to do it a, a little differently in terms mm -hmm. of, uh, of healing. But I, this sounds very universal because we mm -hmm. are dealing with neuroscience and, and the, the nervous system. And as humans, we share that no matter right, where you absolutely. are. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very international. I mean, David Grant, the developer of brain spotting, I mean, he right away didn't start just training people in the U S but around the world. And so there's thousands of brain spotting therapists working in all parts of the world. And yeah, what we're <laughs> this is humanity, right? And it's your nervous systems and it's another, another way of healing. So I'm, I'm sure as a, as a practitioner and, and many of us feel this way, as we watch what's happening in the world, we just want to, you know, fix mm -hmm. it. If, if only, if only you would breathe more deeply, mm -hmm. <laughs> if only really, if only, if only you'd give each other a hug, really, if yeah. only you do yeah. uh, whatever, <laughs> right. A little bit more love, right. A little bit more love everywhere. Um, if you have just tuned in, by the way, this is the healthy options program on WERU Community Radio. I'm Rhonda Feynman. Our guest today is Kim Austin. We're discussing brain spotting and its use in helping us to alleviate the effects of negative experiences and trauma. So when you are doing this, this work, um, and then the session ends, are, are, what would are, does this work continue? Because it is a central brain mm -hmm. aspect mm -hmm. what yeah yeah no that's a very good question so the answer is yes <clears throat> um you know some and i and I'll, I'll preface it a little bit from sometimes people come in and especially if they have more of a um a more simpler focused issue maybe there's a car accident and there's not a lot of other trauma that that usually um their system can clear it pretty quickly. So it takes fewer sessions. Um, whereas a lot of most people I see, you know, life is more complicated than that. And usually they might have earlier trauma and, and other things that have happened. And so it may take more sessions. And sometimes there are different experiences we have that are connected to other trauma experiences we have that we may not really realize on kind of that neocortical, that thinking level. But as we do the brain spotting, it's like, oh, I felt like that at this time too, or that, oh, that's connected to that. And so because there's, you know, there's four quadrillion synaptic connections in the brain, which, which is almost impossible to get your mind around, that there's so much that, that, that is happening within our brain that we can't possibly know. And so what we do know from our experience with brain spotting and EMDR is usually when somebody comes in for a session and we do some, some processing and that their brain, it kickstarts a uh, process in the brain and usually they continue to process for usually 48 hours. And what that can look like, some people don't notice anything. For some people, they feel better, they feel clearer, or maybe they start to make other connections and they're like, oh yeah, I bet it's because of that, or maybe they start to feel more anxious. I mean, sometimes people have, you know, or they feel that physical stuff. Like sometimes people feel if they felt nauseous in the session, that may return after. Um, 
And that can be frightening to some people and confusing. Um, but usually it's, it's part of that wave, right? Like things come and they go and that's part of the processing. And so the system is continuing to digest and process and that usually then it, it, it resolves or it, or it passes um, after a little bit. But they can always, you know, check in with me if they need to. But for most people, it's just, you know, it's part of its brain stuff, body stuff. It's part of the system doing what it needs to do. I love that. Does that idea. answer your question? Oh, yes. Um, yeah. I, okay. I love that idea of, of, of getting out of the way. You don't have to do. We're such a doing society and culture. Mm-hmm. We, we have to fix it. We have to, there's something we should do. And here we're actually allowing. Mm-hmm. And that's from I'm mm-hmm. understanding. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the philosophical kind of underpinnings of it are this uncertainty principle. I mean, we, you know, we're so focused on like trying to figure stuff out, like you said, and we must know what it is. And a lot of this in the human experience is so complex. The human brain and body is so complex. How can we possibly always know? But if we open the space for it, right, and there's the other piece of this is a focused mindfulness so that that while people are processing, as we call it, you know, they're looking at that eye position. Sometimes their eyes want to move or another spot opens up or multiple spots. And we just trust like that's what the system needs to do. And that the person is just mindful of that. So, OK, now I feel that nausea in my stomach. Oh, now I'm thinking about this random thing that may not be so random, right? Um, now I feel calmer. Now I'm, I'm feeling anxious again. You know, and it's just we invite the person just to continue to notice as you process. Um, and that in terms of staying out of the way, therapists are encouraged to use the weight is what we call it, W-A-I-T, why am I talking? <laughs> or and, and just sort of open the space. And sometimes we do step in and that is helpful and it depends on the client. But really, yeah, that, you know, opening that, that there's there's something that can happen that we may not know under, or understand, but that it's all towards healing. I love that idea. And, and, and we're also just talking to you as a therapist that yeah. I, that idea of trusting the client, that idea of trusting, not imposing a, a sense of this is how it should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's, you know, and there, again, there's a, a, a lot of the philosophy and brain spotting is that that, you know, this idea of people having disorders, right, that it's that it's, <clears throat> you know, that people don't have disorders, they have ways of coping. Right. And when you go through something terrible, we have this exquisite brain and body that knows how to help us survive or knows us how to help us get through something. And that sure, if that after the trauma, if some of those ways of coping persist, it can get in the way of our, our you know, our lives later. But to really recognize that that it's a it's an amazing there's 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 also gratitude for how it got us through things. Right. And so it's not disordered. It's the way that people have learned to survive. And sometimes it gets stuck or sometimes it's sort of like, oh, how do we help the system realize you don't need to do that anymore? Whether it's shut down. Right. And in certain situations that it was really important to shut down. But now, like your voice wants to be heard, like and you want to be heard. So how do we help your system kind of make you realize or get to a point where it feels okay to do that? It's not a disorder. It's a you know, that's part of being human. That and that that brings us to this the idea that this is not only a trauma therapy 
or an anxiety mm-hmm. therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just reading about creative, getting to the mm-hmm. to a better part of your creativity or opening up to what's possible. Mm-hmm. How how does that get transformed? And yeah. it, how how do you do you work with uh, individuals, artists, or mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. you know people who uh, want to get to a different level in their own yeah. lives? Yeah, I have worked with people. People don't don't sort of come to therapists usually realizing that that's something performance enhancement or creativity, working through creativity blocks can be helpful. But yeah, and brain spotting that's, um, you know, David Graham, the developer does it a lot. And there are a lot of other people that specialize it. And it's and it kind of follows with the same theory of, you know, we have these neural networks in our brain, right? And so, um, and one helpful way I think, whether it's thinking about any of our experiences, whether they're traumatic, whether they're positive, whether they're creative, is that that um, neurons that fire together wire together is an old axiom. And so when we That's do right. something, it's creating these neural networks in our brain, right? Both when, you know, if something terrible happens um, while somebody's, you know, baking cake right and then the smell of cake kind of makes you think of this terrible thing it's like that's because that's what happened and they wired together the same thing if you're learning a musical instrument and you find this flow or this this wonderful place in that there's a neural network for that and so in terms of performance enhancement um you know if a um if a musician is struggling with um with a certain piece or is having a lot of anxiety or just wants to, to explore if they can go to a next level with something that they can come in. Um, and sometimes if it's a creativity block, you might look at what feels like it's in the way. And it's interesting because actually um, the person that David Grand was working with, the client, um, when he discovered brain spotting was a, was a, a professional ice skater. And she was unable to do a particular jump that wasn't the hardest jump, but she just couldn't do it. And so he was working with her around that. And in her case, it was trauma or there was a block to that. So you focus in on what's getting in the way, finding the neural networks associated with that, and then using that eye position, focused mindfulness and presence to help the system work through that block to maybe open that creativity. On the other way is sometimes there may not be a specific block but there's I want to I want to continue to expand this right and there's something called expansion brain spotting so it's you know think about that game if you're an athlete or think about that performance when you just felt you felt it you felt that creative force flow through you the muse was there you felt you know and getting the person in touch with that positive feeling or that flow state or whatever that was right and then and usually people can feel that in their body sometimes it can be harder to find than the negative but it's there and then we find the eye position associated with that in the same way do that focused mindfulness with the eye to the 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 goal towards letting them expand and sometimes in that process people discover oh there's a block or there's a trauma or there's that time in this game that that might might just get hijacked by and so then we go with okay so let's process that through um and so that's that's really kind of the 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 way that it works and you know just like we have these neural networks associated with a negative we have these neural networks associated with achievement and joy and peace and all of that and so if we can facilitate that you know why wouldn't we why wouldn't we why wouldn't mm-hmm. we Mm-hmm. I, I love that. Why wouldn't we? 
Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. And I, I, uh, sometimes when someone has a block or wants to be creative, they may not realize mm-hmm. that, that, you know, someone said you couldn't sing or someone said mm-hmm. you can't draw as an offhanded comment, mm-hmm. not even, mm-hmm. or, and, and, and we know this and, and we've discussed this with in, in other modalities on, on this show that someone might say something and you're ta- yeah. and, and maybe you're little and you take it in in a certain way. I am mm-hmm. re- recalling a story of, um, somebody has a new baby brother mm-hmm. and his, her mother said, Oh, I'm just going to, whatever she heard, what she heard is, Oh, I don't want you in the picture. I just want the baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and then she kind of had this whole life of, well, my mother, they don't love me anymore. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. she created this whole mm-hmm. idea when, who knows what really happened? That's probably yeah. her mother said, oh, yeah, no, come right in or, or give me a second or whatever it was. But it got stuck mm-hmm. somewhere. And that would be something that could inadvertently create a, a, a block. And someone might have that in yeah. their own minds. Obviously, not that exact story. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you something, the story becomes so solid and real that it, it inhibits. So this could be a way or other some other modality Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. to actually get into the um into the into that into the central of the brain and allow that brain to loosen and right because it's not a prefrontal cortex as we discussed it's not uh we we can understand all we want but that's not really where it all lives is it yeah yeah there's often i you know i i can Uh, people come in to see me and there's this disconnect between like, I know it shouldn't bother me or I know my mother was busy and she had all these things going on. And she loves me. (laughs) Yeah, But in your gut, when you bring that up, it feels differently. Right. And then this belief system can get played out. And I, you know, I think it's a really good point that the word, the term trauma is thrown around so much now, and there certainly is plenty of it, but that it can be all different kinds of things that affect our experience, you know, and that it could be the big T traumas, you know, or, you know, assault, rape, war, all of that kind of thing. But then there's also just these, the, the difficulties of life. And certainly, yeah, as you're bringing up for kids, children are little, and the most important thing is their caregivers and their attachment and their place in the world and feeling safe and seen, right? And also your brain is not fully developed then, right? So how you interpret things and how we experience things then depends on a person's age. Also, were there other stressors? What else was going on? There's all this kind of perfect storm of things that can really lead these things that, of course, that's painful. I'm important too, right? My kid's probably already dealing with like this, you know, being their only, and then suddenly there's this other character <laughs> in the picture. Um, yes, yeah, what- and so all of that gets stored because we remember, our systems remember what's potentially threatening. Right. And that could be a saber tooth tiger. That could be, um, you know, oh, my mother is not feeling as connected. Doesn't want me in the picture. Oh, come on. Of course you do. All right. So I I have to ask, I'm not sure if you can answer this or maybe you can. This idea of what if someone has poor vision or cataracts or is blind? Really, really common question. It's so it's it's 
it doesn't matter. They can still do it. There's actually, um, yeah, yeah, because it's really, I mean, certainly, you know, when somebody's brain spotting, there's, we think of this as it's the fixed eye position. So as you're looking out, you're kind of looking in. So it's the muscles and where it is, the position is in space that is accessing those, inter- accessing those internal neural networks. So, so that's kind of the basic premise of this. Obviously, I think if somebody's looking at something, the spot happens to fall out a picture or something, you know, we're visual creatures. I'm sure associations may come in. Um, but if you're blind, you can still do this. And there's actually at least one, there may be more um, brain spotting therapist who's blind. And, and, you know, she has built up many other senses in terms of tuning in. And so, you know, it's using the eye position, the, the muscles to, to, to access that. So you don't, you don't really need to. To, to have yeah. the vision. You don't need to have the vision. No. Yes. Cause eyes move. And if, mm-hmm. if, if assuming, you know, you still have mm-hmm. eye, eye muscles and such, but the eyes move and, and, and you can move in different areas, even mm-hmm. if, and, and, and get right. that sensation. Right. Right. And their processing may or may not be different because, you know, when, when we've lost some sort of um, function, whether it's eyes or something else, we, our brains are brilliant in building up other senses, right. And capacities. So, you know, I haven't done brain spotting with, with um, any, any blind clients, but, um, but I would imagine, and just hearing this other, this other um, blind brain spotting therapist talk that she she tunes in in so many different ways because of you know the brain building up our capacity in whatever way it needs to well let's just uh, take a moment here um if you just tuned in this is weru community radio this is the healthy options program i'm rhonda Feynman, and our guest today is kim austin licensed clinical social worker we're looking at the therapeutic uses of brain spotting for reducing trauma and more as we uh as we enter uh this other realm of creativity <laughs> yeah and um we, there's also this aspect of music we we don't want to not mention the uh now, at some point, we'll have a link to the music. It gets tricky mm-hmm. to play things um, that are going to be um, uh, uh, for licensing. We didn't get I, I yeah. didn't get David Grant's permission mm-hmm. to right, use it right. here, but I will definitely um, get links so people can hear uh, the mm-hmm. the this um, uh, CD or that uh, that is uh, created brain spotting and you can maybe tell us about how these uh, what these recordings are and how that enhances what what you're sure, talking about absolutely one other thing that before I do that that I wanted to you mentioned you know working please brain spotting can be helpful for trauma for performance enhancement sports enhancement creativity and also for workplace issues a lot of times you know People are struggling with with how to kind of up level or how to deal with with something, and so that can be another place where this can really be helpful. Um, yeah, in terms of the music, so um, so you know, David Grant was um, originally trained in EMDR, going back to to the roots here, and EMDR uses um, uses sound as um, or can use sound, not always as part of it. So, so a key part of EMDR is bilateral stimulation of the brain. And what that means is that whether it's when you're doing the eye movements, whether it's a tone going from one ear to the other, or whether it's tapping one side of your body or the other, 
that activates each each side of the brain, right? So so um, so with EMDR, there's either eye movements or there's tactile or there are these tones that go back and forth. And so he started using when he was playing with the EMDR protocol before the discovery of brain spotting. He started to introduce music too, because he found for some clients that so so it was getting that bilateral stimulation but that it also seemed to help regulate people. And that's that's one of the things. So sometimes as they're processing, it's just in a, the music can be another level of regulation. So so David actually created music that's called versus bilateral. He called it biolateral. Um, and basically the music, so it goes back and forth from ear to ear. We wear it with headphones. Um, <clears throat> so it's getting that bilateral stimulation. He also hand panned it. So to be non-metronomic, so that that whereas with bilateral music, you're you're there's almost like your brain becomes trained as an expectation of when it's going to hit each year. And so he sort of played with it, sort of listening to the music as when it naturally shifted some of its music, some of its nature sounds. So like at the end of a wave, he might pull down the volume and then pan it to the other side. So it's just a little bit more sort of hand tailored and organic, but some people use bilateral music too. And so it's just considered. So when I brain spot with people, I'll encourage people to use the music um, as part of it simply because so it, so it helps to facilitate that processing at, at another level. So it's that cross brain processing as we see with the MDR for a lot of people, it can um, regulate things more. And there's some indication that, that um, music going, um, into into a particular structure, so that su- the the superior colliculi that I mentioned before, that has that top layer of uh, visual access. There, the fifth layer, I think it is, is also um, audio auditory. So it's theorized: is the music also hitting the superior co- colliculi at another level for another level of processing? So, so uh, just to clarify, if somebody missed mm-hmm. that part, and I know they'll want to go back and listen to the whole mm-hmm. interview, but that is a part of the brain. Is that by the brainstem? Remind us. It's, yes, the midbrain. The right? midbrain. It's a, it's a structure in the brain that's in the midbrain that's involved in regulation, involved in and processing things on you know a multisensory level, and so it's theorized right now that that brain spotting by using the fixed eye position we do is a direct route to that part of the brain and it is at the top of the brain stem so that's that area is very much involved in regulating our nervous system so yes Mm -hmm. and so the auditory aspect is one of the layers you're you're saying possibly the fifth layer yeah and that because of where it is when i think of something being central i do feel like uh, get that sense it, it is affecting everything the whole the whole brain mm-hmm. we know that uh, that the you know right 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 side left side the opposite sides of the body mm-hmm. is affected but i get that sense of central really being central mm-hmm. being yeah and a lot all, yeah and a, yeah yeah well and it's and it's you know there's there, there are these structures in the brains that the brain that we talk about, but it's really there's so much communication and things that are happening in the brain. And it's all those exchanges and that processing. And really, you know, the other piece we're talking about with brain spotting is neuroplasticity. And so it's sort of like, you know, these neural structures, neural networks that are created based on our experience, positive, negative or otherwise. And that when they are these traumatic things that reorganizing those neural networks, you know, because the brain is able to change wonderfully, um, that, 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 
that is part of what brain's body is doing. It's reorganizing those neural networks, um, you know, again, towards, towards healing and helping people feel better, really. So, yeah, so that is what we're talking about when we're talking about that, the, the trusting the, the body to heal, Mm -hmm. that, that need that Mm -hmm. plasticity, neuroplasticity is that the body does heal. Right. Exactly. When you think about stroke patients, right, there's been tremendous gains made with stroke because you get on, you know, there's, there's something happening and let's get in there and use the brain's capacity to, to, to heal itself and to, to fix things. Right. It may not permanently, but, but people get a lot more functioning back now because we step in and help the brain do what it knows how to do. And we do know that, that audio, that audio aspect um, is, is so, is, is really central. Don't we say that if, if when, when people are passing that, it really is the last sense that, mm-hmm. that goes, people hear. And, mm-hmm. and, and when, and so, um, so that, that, that biolateral music mm-hmm. for this seems very beneficial to, to yeah, add yeah. and in expanding, not, obviously not, not obviously, but not required, but it could it's enhance, but mm-hmm. it could enhance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, and I have some clients who don't like the music to use the music at all. And that's fine. Again, we're trusting that person's system and some people want to use it sometimes and sometimes they don't. Um, but, but the basic theory of why it's helpful is the things that I just reviewed. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so go back a little bit when you were just went very quickly about the, the workplace the benefits of of working with the work mm-hmm. the workplace. Mm-hmm. How, how does that? Do you work as with groups or how how would there that? There are be? people. I don't I don't do that, but there are people that do work with groups um, that I've heard of. So um, you know, but but the key thing is, you know, when you think about the areas of life people struggle with, a lot of times it's relationships and and um, or feeling or self worth or achievement or feeling like they're able to do things, right? And so that can show up in all different areas of our lives. And work is a very big part of people's lives. And so if they're, I'm really struggling with procrastinating at work, I wait till the last minute for these big projects, right? So really helping that person to identify what what what's going on there um, and helping to, and sometimes they don't know what the why, but, but if it, can be healed and processed. There's something that could happen with the processing um, to help people procrastinate less. Um, or it may be that they have some self-worth issues around like really putting themselves out there, you know, and they want to get promoted. Or maybe it's this coworker just drives me nuts and it's really affecting my my job. You know, and, and and it's not rational. Like part of it's rational, but like I got to find a, a way to to deal with it. And so, really helping if there is something that's getting triggered there, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of like we can think our ways from the neocortical brain, but that a lot of times it's that you know it's just those emotional and those reactivity that comes from that deeper part. And so, going at this part of the brain to help kind of resolve whatever might be fueling that. It seems like you would use this with other modalities as well, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a, a big a big part of, um, you know, David Graham, the developer, will talk about that there's no turf when it comes to healing. And that it's really um, that, that, you know, if EMDR works for somebody, 
EMDR is great or somatic experiencing or internal family systems or any of these. these, There's so many, fortunately, there's so many great healing modalities. And so um, really what a person's needing, we should provide to them. So somebody might come in for brain spotting and I'm actually doing more of something else because that's what their system's needing. Um, but, But to your point, the other piece is that because we're dealing with eye position, that you you can incorporate that into. So sometimes I'll have some people that we're not doing the full setup of the music and the wand, but you know they're talking about something and they're getting more and more worked up or emotional, and their eyes just lock on something, right? And so I might invite them. Hey, I noticed your eyes are locking on that. What if we just kind of? What happens if you keep looking at that, right? And then then. They might process something and they make a connection or they're, oh, I feel better, whatever it is. And then we may go back along with whatever type of therapy we're doing, whether it was talk therapy, you know, and maybe that taps into something in the body. And it's like, oh, let's really explore more at a somatic level. So it's just following what the person needs. Yeah. This seems uh, that it would be a a great adjunct to a couple's therapy because, yeah. Do you use Mm -hmm. it in that way? I know. Or, yeah, I, yeah. or is that something that that is taught in, in when you get your training? It's or? it's a no. It's actually that's kind of a new developing kind of field, and there are certain people that are certainly doing that. And a lot of that it depends on the couple and where they're at. But it's certainly because, as you can imagine, within couples, um, there can be a lot of re- reactivity, and there may be trauma for one or both members of the couple that that may be coming into play, whether that's something that happened within the relationship or outside. So yeah, so it's, it's, a, it can be beautifully woven into different things because again, it's, it's brain stuff, right. And it's human stuff. And so mm-hmm. it's, yeah, something we can use. Right. And uh, you know, I, well, like anything, we talked about some of the, uh, ca- the cautions of uh, possibly, you know, big mm-hmm. reactions, um, mm-hmm. you know, it could, you know, some, some, it's really severe, uh, mental illness that may, this may not be appropriate for, for certain kind of, of treatment. And then on another way it could help. We, it's mm-hmm. really based on the individual. I would, right, I would right, imagine right. if people are out there listening and thinking about what would be appropriate or not, you know, throw in all the, all the, all the possibilities and. Yeah. And as with, with, with any, any, um, any therapist or, or, healthcare provider or any sort of, you know, alternative provider, a person comes in, they share with you what they're looking for, what they need, what's going on for them. And you use your expertise and experience and and listening and you together make a decision about what what's appropriate or what's needed for them. And then sometimes you try something and sometimes that's it. And sometimes it's not. (laughs) It's a, but really honoring kind of what, what, where a person's at. You know, we've really covered a lot of ground. We have about four minutes left. Um, mm-hmm. What, what, and what, what haven't we spoken about? Or, or, or are we done? No, we, no, no. There's I always more to we, talk we, about. We've <laughs> spoken about a lot. We've spoken about a lot. Um, yeah, I, I think you know. I think it's just. Um, I, I've been really, um, I, you know, EMDR is an, an amazing therapy. I still do that. That's very helpful. Um, and and also brain spotting. And I think both of them, you know, they sound weird on the surface. They really do. You know, when you describe it to somebody, they're like, you're going to do what? What do you mean? 
what do you mean um, you're holding this, right, this thing up exactly. and, and moving it around, you know? Yeah, yeah, it all sounds like voodoo and all of this stuff and the research note is still in process. Um, but it but I will say, you know, there's something here and a lot of times we don't know. And if you're curious, you know, do some research, explore. Uh, so yeah. t- do you have a success story? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, yeah. Or I mean, does I it think, work that way? It's not, you know, yeah, go ahead. Well, it depends. It depends. I mean, everybody's looking for the magic solution, right? The silver yeah. bullet. And, we all want to feel are, better. Absolutely. Right. And be like done. Okay. Like now I'm done. Right. This is where life gets easy and I'm just, everything's abundant and flowing and, you know, human life doesn't work that way. But I will say that I think what I have, what can happen for people is um, clarity is one of the words I hear most from people, honestly, um, and and peace. But, you know, for instance, somebody in a, in a somebody I saw was really struggling with um, issues with a family member and they just kept getting pulled into this drama. Um, and they, they knew on one level, it wasn't helping the person, it wasn't helping them, but it would set off these alarms, right. in them, and they just couldn't kind of follow through with putting some boundaries in place. And we did some brain spotting wasn't, it was more than one session. Um, and, and really helped them process some things, some things they knew about some things they hadn't really realized from earlier on that had impacted them. And they just got to a place where. It's not like they liked it or they felt good about the situation because it was still hard, but they felt clearer and more able and more at peace to put those boundaries in place in a way that wasn't hijacking and taking up, taking over their life. Their lives. The well, that's a, so that's one example. That's a great place. It's great. Great to leave mm-hmm. on 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 that up note on that mm-hmm. up note. Yay! Um, really, I, I can't believe we've run out of time, but we have. <laughs> Our guest today on Healthy Options has been Kim Austin, licensed clinical social worker and certified practitioner of the technique of brain spotting. Thank you so much for being here with us today on Healthy Options. Um, if you want more information, Kim's website is kimaustin.com. K I M. A-U-S-T-I-N.com. And we'll have other links um, mm-hmm. that uh, to things that we've mentioned on the show and other information that was mentioned at the Public Affairs Archives for Healthy Options at WERU.org. You can also hear previous Healthy Options podcasts when you get to when you get the WERU app, which we strongly advise. Everyone should have the WERU app. No question about it. And you can also hear if you've missed any part of this program, you certainly can hear it again um, at the at the uh, WERU.org. Thanks to Joel Mann and Amy Brown of WERU for engineering support, to Petra Hall for production assistance, and as always, thanks to all of our WERU listeners and supporters. This is Rhonda Feynman wishing you the best in health.